0: Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Sachi. This morning, let me encourage you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. If you did not bring a Bible with you to church, there should be one in the pew or chair in front of you. Underneath the chairs, the pews, there are on, on the back. Let me encourage you to get a Bible, open it, let God speak to your heart. While you're turning to uh, Ephesians 5, I want to tell you a true story. Some uh, time ago... Uh, I knew a, a man who decided he wanted to get married. And so he joined one of these uh, dating sites. And he began to date five women at the same time. Let me encourage you men, if you're listening, don't ever do that. All right? right there, I, I, I just couldn't believe that. And he began to date five women at the same time. And he actually created a graph, a chart in his house with each woman's names and their pros and cons because he he was looking for the will of God. Okay? He eventually got married. It didn't last one year. Okay? We're all searching for God's will. We're all asking that He direct us. But in many times we do things that are counterproductive and then we blame God for not sharing his will with us. The title of my message this morning is this, Finding God's Will for Our Lives. Now I want you to notice that I use the word finding. You have to find it. When you find God's will and you see how God is blessing what you're doing, then you know, you recognize... That it wasn't your decision, but it was actually God's will that you found. All right? Now, notice the theme as I read it to you. What is God's will for your life? Now, notice what I say next. That you be saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, submissive, living righteously in the society, and that you be willing to suffer because you will not compromise the truth. That's God's will for your life. Now, we all struggle with knowing God's will with these individual decisions that we make. We ask ourselves, well, what job should I, should I take? I have people call me up and they ask me to pray. In fact, many of you, have put, we put you on the prayer list and we have prayed for a job for you. And then you call me up all upset because you have three people offering you a job and you don't know which one to take. And I just sort of laugh and I just say, now God is waiting to see what you're going to do, which one he's going to choose. Many times God gives us choices to see how we respond And which path we'll take. But there's an endless string of decisions that must be made in life. How are you doing with your decisions? This morning I want to share with you some wonderful lessons. Now notice your outline, point number one. Point number one, to understand the will of God, we must walk in a wise manner. Now look at this, I'll read it again. To understand the will of God, we must walk in a wise manner. Now look with me in Ephesians chapter five, and let's begin in verse 15. The apostle Paul says, Look carefully then how you what does he say? Walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Look at verse 16 making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Don't we know that? Amen? Look at verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, if you have your own Bible, there are some things that you should highlight in these verses. First, you should highlight that you should look carefully at how you walk. You should highlight that phrase, how you walk. Every one of us is walking a walk. Our life tells us what we're doing. The next thing you should mark is, look at this, the word wise. You don't want to walk as unwise. You want to walk as wise. And then in verse 16, you should highlight the phrase, making the best use of the time. And then highlight that word foolish in verse 17 because I'm going to come back and talk about it. Don't be foolish, but what should you do? Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, hold your place in Ephesians because we're studying this text this morning. But turn with me to Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, we're very familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching the people. And in Matthew 6, he teaches them about prayer, but he also teaches about what I want to share with you this morning. We're talking about the will of God. Amen? Now look with me in Matthew 6, verse 9. In verse 9, the scripture says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Look at verse 10. Your kingdom come. Here it is. Listen to this. Your will be done. Where are we to pray that God's will will be done? Notice what it says next. On earth as it is in heaven. If you have your own Bible, don't do this in the church's Bible, you ought to highlight that phrase that your will will be done on earth. Beloved, you should note that we are to pray... That God's will would be done on earth. There is nothing in heaven that would keep God's will from being done. In fact, all the angels of heaven would pick up arms to defend the will of God in heaven. Now, turn with me to the book of Revelation and let's look at verse 12. As you're turning to Revelation 12, I'm going to give you a story to understand what we're talking about when you read the book of revelation sometimes it can be very confusing what john saw was past present and future and sometimes they mix together what john saw in chapter 12 verse 7 was when satan lucifer tried to overthrow god it was in the past he revolted in heaven he didn't want to do god's will in heaven now look with me now in verse 7 revelation 12:7 it says now war arose in heaven michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and that would be lucifer and satan and the dragon and his angels fought back but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Look at verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the, what does it say, beloved? Earth. Let me tell you, this is where he is today. You watch the news, the news tells you he's here. Amen? All right? He is in charge of this world. He is thrown to the world. In fact, the scripture says, another writer says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning bolt. That's how God threw him down. All right? And notice what else it says. And his angels were thrown down with him. You see, the only place where God's will might not be done is right here on earth. Right here. And we should be praying... That God's will would be done in our lives, in our society, and when we pray these things and we change ourselves, then we change the world. Now go back with me to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul uses a word that most mothers do not allow. Look with me in verse 17. In verse 17, he writes, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Beloved, that word foolish means stupid. Now, I know my, my wife doesn't like that word. She didn't allow my children to call each other stupid. All right? In fact, I, I say we've been married 40 41 years, and I don't think my wife has ever called me stupid, and I've done a lot of stupid things, all right? Mothers just don't like that word stupid. We don't use that word, all right? But the apostle Paul said it. He said, do not be stupid, but understand what the will of the the Lord is. God is calling us to be wise. We are to use God-given smarts to be wise. And this is a reoccurring theme that Paul uses. And if if you're wise and you walk right, you will understand what the will of God is. Paul tells us in verse 16 to make most, look at it, verse 16, making the best use of the time, Because the days are evil. Isn't it amazing that when Paul wrote this, he's talking about how evil his society is. And, beloved, do you see how evil our society is today? It has not changed. We constantly, as Christians, have to push back on this. We constantly, as men and women and boys and girls of Christ, have to stand up for what is right. Because the day is evil. He says, make most that word most means to redeem, to redeem the time, some translations put it. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us when he died on the cross. Did he not redeem us from our sins? And now he tells us, don't be stupid, but be wise, redeeming the time. Now look with me in chapter 6 of Ephesians. Just On my Bible, it's just on the opposite page. You might have to flip the page in the church Bible. But look with me in chapter 6 and verse 5. He says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you with Christ, and not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7 Rendering service. With a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Now, in this text, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christian men and women that were servants or slaves of a worldly master. He's not condemning He's not promoting this. We know that that's not what God teaches. But he says, if you are a servant owned by another, you should treat your master like you would treat Jesus Christ. You are to work for them like you're working for God. And see, this is what I want you to see. We're all free people here today. He says, whether you're free or bond, this is what you're to do. He says, don't just do eye service. In other words, don't work when he's watching and then stop work when he's not watching but do it as people pleasers and this is the phrase that I want you to see in verse 6 doing the will of God from the heart you see these servants who were obeying their master are doing what the will of God notice what it says that you're doing the will of God from the heart. And I, learned, I love verse 8. You ought to write outside your Bible. This is a promise I want. Look at verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bondservant or free. Beloved, you you can't outgive God. When you do good things and you bless others, he's going to bless you for those things. Now, I don't teach a... Uh, 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 a religion of prosperity. I'm just simply saying God says He's going to do it. Even if He does it, you should do it. But I believe this is a promise because I believe God likes to do good things for His people. Now, the second lesson I want you to see, notice your outline point number two. To understand the will of God, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. To understand the will of God, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look Look with me in verse 18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says in these verses, in verse 18, that if you get drunk with wine, that is debauchery. This is not what he wants for us. There's an excellent Bible study, small group study that came out about 20 years ago. Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. Some of you have taken it here in our church. Henry Blackaby says this. He says, often we make mistakes of making plans and then inviting God to come join us in our plans. We ask him to bless our work. It is rarely done that way. He says, what you should do is open your eyes and see where God is working around you and join Him. Join Him. It is interesting that Paul would add this command, not to get drunk. In the Greek language, it's written in the present passive tense, which means it's an ongoing word. In other words, stop getting drunk with wine. You keep doing it, you need to stop it. What scripture is very clear, it's very clear here. Never drink alcohol to the point where you get drunk. Paul counters that and he says, you're not supposed to be drunk, but you're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He suggests that we will find our joy, our hope, our power in being filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, being filled by the Spirit is something that God brings about in us as we walk right, which we saw in verse 15. If we walk carefully and if we are wise, He begins to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, I would like to suggest to you, if you notice the rest of these verses, notice it says in verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing. You see, I think these, those words right after this say, if you are filled by the Holy Spirit, then your life will be categorized as singing and quoting scripture and just always you know, rejoicing the Lord. Always singing things. I remember when I grew up. One of my favorite songs was zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Some of them are singing that next service. They'll have no idea what I'm talking about. Plenty of sunshine heading my way. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. Now, I go home now, and I start singing hymns. Amen? I'll sing songs we sing on Sunday. In fact, Lynn was getting ready this morning, and I heard her singing in the shower. All right? She was singing praise songs. You see, I think the Apostle Paul says, when you quit getting drunk, and you begin to get filled by the Spirit, that you change. Your language changes, you begin to sing, you begin to enjoy life. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 1, same book, but turn back to chapter 1. And I want you to see what he says in verse 13 and 14. He says in verse 13... In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You see, when you believe, you were sealed with the Spirit. And now when you walk wisely, and you begin to walk the way He wants, and sing, and talk in Scripture, and do the things He wants, you, begin to get Spirit-filled, then you change. Then your life begins to change and be what God wants. Now the third lesson I want you to see is this. Notice your outline, point number three. Finding God's will finally comes when we submit our will to His. You see, we are in a progression here. Paul puts it in these verses. Look with me at verse 21. Here is that dreaded word that people in our society cannot stand today. Submission. Oh. They want to take it out of the dictionary. Look at verse 21. He says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you have your own Bible, you ought to highlight that word. You see, finding God's word, finding God's will for your life will only come when you learn how to submit. Your will to God and others. Submitting to one another. You see, it's a mindset. We want to be in the play. You want to be in God's will? Then you need to learn how to submit to God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Jesus submitted to the will of his Father. And if Jesus did it, then you and I need to do it. And we don't like to submit. We want to be in charge. We want to be the ones that tell everybody else what to do. Look with me in Luke 22, in verse 41. This is Jesus in the garden. He is going to be crucified. And notice what happens in verse 41. It says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he prayed. Look at what he prayed, verse 42. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. He's talking about his crucifixion. Nevertheless, Not my, what does it say, beloved, will, but yours be done. You ought to highlight that. There appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. And we all know the answer to that because shortly after, Judas came leading a group of men and they arrested Jesus and they eventually crucified him. Beloved, some of you today find yourself in a difficult place. God has some of you in a garden experience just like Jesus. He was pouring out his soul. He didn't want to go to the cross But yet he knew he needed to go to the cross because he loved us. Some of you feel that God has put you in a place of great discomfort or pain. He has a reason for that. You need to be praying that God's will would be done. We try to pray and get out of pain. We don't like it. We're uncomfortable. God is trying to teach you. He's trying to make something out of you. If you're still concerned with your will, your way, your plans, your fulfillment... You really have little hope of finding the will of God. John chapter 4 verse 31. Turn there with me. This is the story where Jesus meets the woman at the well. We all know this. And he's beginning to talk to him. The disciples had gone to buy something to eat. And they said, you haven't eaten. And notice what he says in John chapter 4 in verse 34. He says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his, what's it say, work. What was his will? To do the will of him who sent me. He said, that's what I want. How many of us would say, you know what, I'll pass on that stake. I really want the will of God. Now That would be tough, wouldn't it? Look with me in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 30. A couple of months ago, we were at the, uh, I think it was the, Thanksgiving luncheon, a young man was sitting with me. Oh, I know what it was. It was at Christmas. We had the staff party. Had a young man sitting next to me. He's dating one of our staff members. I won't tell you who it was. So uh, he's dating one of our staff members. He's sitting next to me, and he said, Pastor Lee, do you have a favorite verse? I said, I love all the Bible. I said, but when I was a young man, I really loved this verse. I said, this is the craziest verse in the world. People think I'm crazy. In John chapter 5... In verse 30, Jesus says these words. And as a young preacher, I read this, and I said to myself, if I could learn how to do this, then I think God would bless me. And it says this. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? This is interesting. Submission. We need to submit, turn over our wants. You see, submission runs against the grain of our culture. Frank Sinatra's great song, I Did It My Way. Amen. Okay. How about Burger King? You can have your sandwich your way. All right. But yet, the Bible says we must submit if we want to know. The will of God. Submission is an attitude. It's a willingness to let go of control. To put others first. To take ourselves off the throne of our lives. And to follow God and those whom God puts over us. For many Christians, they just plain refuse to let go. This week as I was preparing one of the devotions, I read a story about a little boy. This is a true story. It was called tired and cold. He walked up to a policeman and he said, Mister, you wouldn't happen to know where a poor boy could find a warm place to sleep tonight, would you? You see, I slept in a box up in the, around the corner and down that alley and it was awful cold last night. Sure it would be nice to have a warm place to stay. The policeman looked at the little boy and he said, You go down the street to that big white house and you knock on the door and when they come to the door you just say John 3.16 and they'll let you in he looked down the street saw the house he looked again at the policeman and down the street he went walked up to the door knocked on the door a lady answered and he looked up at her and he said John 3.16 she invited him in She brought him inside and sat him before a great fire. Then she asked him if he had anything to eat. He said, I hadn't eaten in a couple of days. And so she took him into the kitchen. He began to eat. And all the time he's thinking to himself, he said, you know, I I don't know much about John 3.16, but it sure does warm up a cold boy. And then as he is eating all this food, he thought to himself, I I don't know much about John 3.16, but it sure fills up a little boy. After he had had time to eat, she said, would you like to have a bath? He said he would, so she went upstairs and filled up the tub, and he took a bath. He hadn't had a bath in his entire life. He's laying in the bathtub thinking to himself, the only bath I'd ever had before this was when they turned the fire hydrants on. He said, I don't know much about John 3:16, but it sure does make a young boy feel clean. Slept in a big bed that night, and sometime in the middle of the night, he woke up. Looked out the window and he saw big snowflakes falling. He thought to himself, I don't know much about John 3.16, but it sure makes a young boy feel safe. Sure makes a young boy feel safe. The next morning, the woman came and woke him up, brought him downstairs and fed him a breakfast. Then they went back out into that room by the fire again and she put out a big Bible. She turned to John 3.16. She began to tell him about Jesus Christ and how Jesus loved him so much that he was willing to die on the cross. Right there in that big white house, that little boy asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior. You see, beloved, this is the will of God. God has a will. It says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that God is willing to. Or desires that all men be saved. Isn't that amazing? It's not necessary to understand all the things God does or why He loves us so much. You simply need to understand John 3, 16. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach to your people today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to find your will. That's what it says. To find the will of God. To know the will of God. To search for the will of God. To be pleasing in your sight. To not be stupid. To redeem the time. To no longer be drunk, but to be filled with the Spirit. To be singing hymns and praising songs and speaking Uh, scripture to one another and to be submissive to the will of God and others. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today, friend, maybe you're here today and you're searching. God is doing a work in your heart. You came to church today because you know that you are not right with the Lord. Friend, let me just talk to you for a moment. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners In Romans 3.23, it says, We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that's not the end of the story. You see, the Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he was willing to pay for our sin. John chapter 3, a man by the name of Nicodemus comes and speaks with Jesus. He wanted to know how to get into the kingdom of God. He wanted to know how to be born again. Jesus begins to talk to him. And that's where he shares John 3, 16. And he says to Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, if you're here today, God is speaking to your heart about having a relationship with him right now. Why don't you make that decision? Why don't you just talk with the Lord in your heart? Confess your sins to him. Why don't you just say, Lord, I want to confess my sins to you. And the best I know how, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then say something like this. Simply say to him, God, please make me your child. Friend, if you pray a prayer like that, the Bible says immediately you become a child of God. The Holy Spirit comes inside and seals you. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1. Your name is written in the book of life. A home is being built for you in heaven. All these things happen when you make that decision today Will you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Christian, let me talk to you. There's not one of us, not one of us, who would admit that our will is better than God's. So why don't we follow Him? We've just started 2020. We've been talking about how we should live this year. Why don't we follow His will? Why don't we submit to the will of God? I I believe with all my heart that when we're in God's will, that will be the happiest we'll be here in this life. You want to be happy? You want God's blessing upon you? Then you be in His will. No matter where it takes you. Sometimes it takes you to gardens like Jesus was in. Took Jesus to the cross. But Jesus said, your will be done. Lord, hear the prayers of your people today. Bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.